Angus at Work, a podcast for the profit-minded cattlemen. Brought to you by the Angus Beef Bulletin, we have news and information on health, nutrition, marketing, genetics, and management. So, let's get to work, shall we? Hello and welcome back to Angus at Work. Today you're in for a treat because this episode is chock full of practical information about recognizing, treating, and preventing pink eye. But even more importantly, today's host is Taylor Edwards. She's the Angus Beef Bulletin intern this summer. She's an agricultural communications senior with an animal science minor at Auburn University. She comes to us from Briarfield, Alabama, from a small commercial cow-calf background. Today, she chats with Angus Beef Bulletin's Health and Husbandry column author, Brad White, with the Beef Cattle Institute at Kansas State University. Today's episode is brought to you by Lollamond Animal Nutrition. Now, let's dig in. Good morning, Dr. White. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Taylor? Doing pretty good. So, you're a veterinarian at K-State working with the Beef Cattle Institute. What kind of sparked that passion for veterinary medicine and beef cattle? Oh, good question, Taylor. So as, as you mentioned, I work at the Beef Cattle Institute at Kansas State University and get to work with a lot of great people on our team that work in all facets of beef production. And, and I would say one of the things that I, I may even veer off a little bit and say one of the things that continues my passion for doing this is being able to work with the producers veterinarians and the students engaged in the beef industry because I think there's a a lot of folks doing great work with beef cattle. I think the people and the people who genuinely care about the industry are what make it so great to be a part of and and work in. So yep absolutely. Something we've been hearing a lot about and I'm sure you have too is pink eye. So let's do a, a quick overview of what exactly is pink eye. Sure. No problem, Taylor. So the we think about pink eye in cattle, and this is something that comes up every summer. As we talk through some of the issues associated with it, it's important to understand some of the causes, some of the factors that lead to pink eye and what it looks like in the field. So I may start with what it looks like in the field. And what we see with cattle with pink eye, some of the early signs are there will be squinting. So the squinting or Uh, aversion to sunlight, maybe a lot of watering of that eye, but sometimes we don't see it that early. Sometimes we see it when you see the the calf that's out there or the cow that has that big white spot on their eye, or it seems like the entire eye is turning turning white. So those are some of the signs that we see with pink eye. So how early in the summertime should we start being on the lookout for that so we can try to catch it early? Yeah, great question. So you, you can see it about any time through the summer. And and to think about when we would see it, let's think about what, what it actually is and what causes it. So pink eye is essentially inflammation plus or minus infection of that cornea of the eye. So the cornea is the surface of your eye, which is very sensitive. If you've ever had a scratched cornea, it is a very, very painful thing and something that most of us don't keep track of how many times a day we blink, unless you have a corneal ulcer. Then you start keeping track of it because it's very painful. So cattle can have irritation of that eye, the surface of that eye, and lots of things can lead to that irritation. Uh, weed seeds, grass seeds, 
this time of year when we get into areas of the country that are dry and that grass has become mature and very stemmy, as they're going down to graze, they can scratch their eye on some of that grass. Once you get a little bit of that irritation, cattle have a couple bacteria that we have associated with pink eye. The most common one we think of is, is called Morax elibovis. There's another one that's called Morax elibovoculi, uh, both of which we see in association with pink eye, but sometimes there's something that tipped it off because that cornea, we talked about that surface of the eye is actually a pretty darn good barrier to bacteria unless it's disrupted. And once it's disrupted, that bacteria can kind of set up shop and make that corneal ulcer expand. So the other thing that I would throw in there that plays a role, uh, the sunlight, the UV rays are actually can be challenging to that eye, especially if it's damaged. Those bacteria also can be moved from animal to animal by flies. So face flies are the ones that we think about. So often we talk flies in cattle. I think it's important to make a distinction. So flies are not all the same. Face flies in cattle look like your common house fly, relative, relatively big, typically land on the face, right? As you would probably expect from the name. The face flies, 10 to 20 face flies is a lot. And those face flies, what they do is they're eating those lacrimal secretions or the tears, and they will go from cattle to cattle and they can spread that bacteria basically on their legs. Before I leave the flies, the other type of flies that we talk about in cattle is horn flies, which land primarily on the sides. I don't know why they named them that way, but they'll land on the sides of the cattle and are typically smaller. So if you go out and you see flies on the back or the sides of the cattle, those are horn flies, not the ones that we're concerned about with pink eye transmission, but they are ones that we're a little bit concerned about that can cause uh, issues with the cattle and uh, irritation of different sorts. So you mentioned some of the things that kind of head off that pink eye or get it started and then the flies spreading it. What are some things we can do to kind of be mindful and mitigate those? Yeah. So one, one of the things that we can do is we'll, we'll work on our fly control program, which is comprehensive we'll work on our pasture management program. And when we think about fly control, there's lots of tools and techniques. And I would encourage you to work with your veterinarian, look at, talk to the extension folks, come up with a strategy. And the reason that I think a strategy is important is sometimes, and I find myself falling into this rut once in a while, that I am reactive, right? I don't think anything about it. Don't think anything about it. Go out one day and there's a bunch of flies and I'm like, holy cow, I got to do something. And then I do something. And then I don't really have a plan. I don't have a follow-up. I may not have all the stuff I need. Whereas with a strategy, my strategy could be okay, I'm going to combine having some back rubbers with some timely application of topical insecticides, right? And that's my summer strategy versus me going out one day and saying, I'm going to treat some. Because one of the things we worry about in flies, like any other parasite, is resistance to some of the chemicals that we use. And one way that we can encourage resistance is, in, and, and and when I say encourage, 
basically we're selecting for it. So if I apply not the right dose or I don't dose the right animals at the right time, then what I can do is I can select for flies that are resistant to those chemicals. A uh, great example uh, is uh, fly tags, which can be a, an excellent tool for controlling flies when applied in a timely fashion. They don't last forever. Look carefully on how long those fly tags are going to last. Uh, but sometimes, for example, we're working cattle in April or May before turnout to pasture. And we say, this is the convenient time I would like to put in my fly tags now. Well, if I put in fly tags May 1 and I've got a two-month fly tag that's going in, they're going to be a lot less effective by the time I roll around to August, September, where I've really got a lot of flies and then I may, may not have got all my bang for the buck out of it. This varies by region of the country, but my take home is have a strategy. Don't be reactive to, man, I got a lot of flies, now what? Have a plan for what you're gonna do and have a plan if you have breakthrough and, and you do have a lot of flies. Yeah, I think being prepared and doing things ahead of a time applies across the industry and a whole lot of things, but oftentimes we don't think, hey, this is an issue until you see it. So that's oh, exactly right. And and back to the question you asked me earlier, which I don't think I answered well, is when we're looking for pink eye, when we identify those. So in the individual calf, and we talked about finding them early. So if you see those calves with water, and, and I keep saying calves because we will see occasional herds, cow calf herds that will have it in the cows. But for the most part, it's the calves that are, are primarily affected. In those calves, if you have some with watery eyes, then again, you're going to come up with a, a treatment plan, a treatment strategy working with your veterinarians. So there are antibiotics that we can use uh, with some of the, the new guidances, the new plans. You're going to have to have a veterinary client-patient relationship to use those antimicrobials to, to treat this disease and working with your veterinarian, they can help you select the right one. If we treat them early in the process, it's much more effective. So I, I broadly defined it as kind of two stages, eye watery, uh, really blinky, keeping that eye closed a lot. And then, okay, well, I see a big white opacity or whiteness to that outside of the eye. If I catch them at that early stage, I've got a lot better chance of having less long-term issues because that cornea, that surface of the eye is where that bacteria is. And if I can treat them and manage it, and it's not just antimicrobials, sometimes people use an eye patch, sometimes people use other things to manage the housing of those animals, then hopefully I can avoid them getting to that later stage. Now at that later stage, as they progress through pink eye, you will see that big white eye. Sometimes they'll turn what looks a little bit blue. Sometimes there will be some scarring. So for cattle that are going to be feeder animals, maybe less of a concern. We do want to prevent them from getting blindness and we want to manage them from a, as much as we can. You will have some of those that end up with a white spot or a scar on that eye. So earlier treatment is better. And again, back to to part of my plan is I'm not just going to, if I have an outbreak, I'm not just going to treat the individuals. I'm going to look at their environment. Is there something in that environment, be it, be it grass or other that's irritating those eyes? Uh, some areas of the country you go in and you'll mow that grass. Other areas you will try to manage your grazing to keep them 
keep, keep the grass from getting quite so mature. Take control of your silage quality with Magneva Platinum Forage Inoculate. This new product by Lollamond Animal Nutrition not only gives you fast-acting bacteria for improved feed-out stability, so you can open your silo in just 15 days. It also slows spoilage for long-lasting protection, so it keeps your silage fresh and delicious for your cattle. To learn more, visit magneva.com slash North America. That's M-A-G-N-I-V-A dot com slash North America. When you're looking at trying to start addressing those things, is the grass something you would typically look at first? Yeah, I think the I think the grass and the flies and the rest of the environment. And I mentioned if you have one of those uh, sick calves, you may want to change their environment. That's not always possible, right? So we've got calves nursing cows. We're not going to be easy to get them out of there. If I do have stalkers or something like that, uh, I may be able. So the sunlight is irritating, but w- one thing you want to avoid is taking that calf and putting it in a nice dark barn, which would be good for the darkness, but is also great for fly production, right? So so then you kind of have to figure out what are my trade-offs. So a lot of times I will try to keep them in that pasture or manage in a pasture, but I'm looking for other potential eye irritants. Now, there are some other things that that I think about through that process. And, and you and I talked about a couple of them before we got on as we think about holistic type prevention, one, I'm gonna I want to be on a good vitamin mineral supplement for the summer. So have a good vitamin mineral supplement. I don't think this is often associated with a deficiency, but having a good nutritional plan, we know helps with our immune system, helps with our overall health, certainly going to be beneficial through the process. There are vaccines available. That depends on your area and what your how big of an outbreak you're dealing with. One of the real challenges, and I'll, I'll go back to how we described uh, the, the pathogenesis or the development of this disease, it's on the surface of the eye, the cornea of the eye, if I get a physical scratch or irritation, and then I start to get that infection. It's very hard to build immunity at that level. So there, there are vaccines but have a conversation with your veterinarian because there are instances where people have been very happy with those results. There are instances where we need to institute a multitude of control measures to really make a difference. So I think there's a little bit of value there for having that total approach rather than I for sure would not think, and pink eye is a great example of I don't have one thing that's going to solve the problem. You you come and you say, hey, how do I fix pink eye in my herd? It's not a one sentence solution. It's a let's figure out how we're going to go through this process and and manage it as best we can. We're not going to eliminate it from some of our herds. Yeah, it seems like that balance and being proactive, having that relationship with your vet and then, hey, what do we do next is the best course of action, but also not the best answer. And I feel like that's where a lot of people could get frustrated and just, they just want that answer, but there's really truly not one. No, there's not. And, and there are uh, discussions relative to, I mean, and there are other potential causal factors. So, so one thing that has come up before is genetics and I'm not a geneticist, so I'm not going to 
go into the the genetic component per se, although we will see pink eye more in some of our white-faced cattle. And it may be that, yeah, truly that's a genetic component. But as we think about it, we said one of the factors that influences that UV light can be challenging for those eyes and on the cornea. Well, on our, why do we wear white shirts in the summer? Because it reflects, right? Because it reflects. And so if you, and when you see football, baseball players, you put eye black under your eyes because it absorbs and you're not getting that reflection. Well, on cattle with a white face, they're getting that reflection on their eyes. Now, there's not a lot we can do about that, but I think it's something to be aware of that I'm going to keep a closer eye on some of those animals. Yeah. So I guess making sure they do have adequate shade, but also yep. then again, you said that shade component is something that those flies really like. So again, balancing the, the pros and shade cons. Is, thing. Shade is a great example of, is shade a good thing? Yes. But if I don't have enough shade and i've seen this with, with several herds and struggle with this in one of our pastures is there's one nice shade tree so what do all the cows do is everybody gets under there and and for both heat mitigation and fly control it becomes very challenging because yes they're in the shade but when you're standing right next to 10 of your closest buddies as close as you can get under the shade it's not actually all that cool. So having shade is a good thing. Having, as you described it, and I think you said it very well, Taylor, having adequate shade is really important. Yeah, so that may be kind of a long-term thing to think about, I guess, but trying to implement more than one shade tree in your pasture, giving them some options, even though they're still going to want to be close together. <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely. They're still going to they're still going to want to be close together. But I think having having your shade managed, having a fly control strategy, and then having the ability. And, and I think pink eye is one of the things we see in the summer. We do see some other diseases in the in the summertime. And often we think uh, summertime, we're coasting, right? We're not coasting doing nothing because we're busy with hay and other activities. There's lots of things going on in the summertime. But with my cow-calf pairs that are spring calvers, often as far as an animal health, animal management standpoint, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. So one of the things that I would encourage is we talked about the importance of finding pink eyes early is to be deliberate with some of our animal health observations in the summer. And there's a couple things I would look for, pink, pink eye being one of them, but often we're taking out mineral at different times. So we may be delivering mineral or I may have a, every week I check in every five days, three days, whatever it is for your herd. But when you do the check-in, a couple things I'd think about. I would try to do a walkthrough or drive-through of the cattle so I can get a close look. Is anybody blinking? Can I find them early, especially looking for pink eye? The other thing I'm thinking about is, is everyone walking around okay? So foot rots, one of the other things that we will see in the summer is, is everyone walking around, seems like they're doing good, maintaining body weight. The third thing, I would pay, pay special attention to the bull, right? Or bulls. So this time of year, 
we've had the bulls out in a spring calving herd. The bulls have been out for a while. They're hopefully still working, depending on when your calving season is. Make sure that bull can get up, can walk around, looks like he's doing good, no abnormal swellings, and certainly check his eyes because his the visual senses are important for him as well. So those are some of the things I would think about as I'm as I'm planning for pink eye. I don't know exactly when it's going to occur. Like you asked, does it occur early or late? I don't know exactly when that's going to be, but I would want to do that kind of summertime herd check plan. And it helps for me if I'm going to be intentional and I know what I'm looking for. Uh, the other thing that I would throw out there is many, many of us, you may have somebody else check your cattle in the summer. So a kid, uh, somebody that comes in, one of your, your children, and if so, do they know what they're looking for? Because I have been guilty of sending one of my boys out to check things and not providing adequate instruction of here's actually what I want you to look for. And it takes, it's a 30 second conversation, right? Here's a, here's a little bit of things you might want to be looking for because many of these health issues, summertime health issues, including pink eye, we catch them early our treatments are going to be much more effective and hopefully we can stop it before it becomes a bigger herd problem. Yeah. Those quick conversations and preparing in the long run is going to save you time, money and labor when you don't have time to be out there treating pink eye when you could be bailing hay or doing something else. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that's the other piece of planning that it is easy to put off or not think about is depending on where we move cattle for summertime grazing, and this ties directly into pink eye, do I have a plan if I do need to get one up? Because often we'll turn into grazing pastures, they're in grazing pastures, and then they move from grazing pastures to fall pastures, which may be closer to our processing facilities, right? So we talked fly tags earlier. One of the reasons I may not want to put in fly tags in the summer is I don't have facilities out there for processing everybody. And I don't need facilities for processing everybody, but I do need a plan, whether it's a catch pen and a trailer to take them to a working facility or a head catch or some way, if I need to catch somebody in that pasture, how am I going to get that done? Yeah, because you don't have time to think about that. You really need to get them up and get them treated as soon as possible. Absolutely. You're absolutely right, Taylor. Yeah. So I guess if you were going to give our listeners one big take home about pink eye, what would you say? I'd say it's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> to pink eye, I'm, I, I, for everybody that has had to deal with pink eye, it's super frustrating. And I'd love it if there were a solution that we, we could implement, but there's not, which, which is okay. And which is why, as we discussed through pink eye, you'll notice I incorporated several several other health things that we're thinking about through the summer because it's total herd health picture, right? I'm going to have a good uh, vitamin mineral supplementation program. I'm going to have a good grazing management program, which for the benefit of pink eye and other reasons, I'm going to try to keep my grass from getting mature. I'm going to have a strategy for trying to control flies and external parasites. I'm going to have a plan for my overall vaccination schedule to make sure that I'm controlling the things I can control. And I'm going to have a deliberate observation plan. So you asked me for one take home and I gave you five, which is kind of like dealing with pink eye. It's frustratingly complex and hard to solve. It's just 
part of it. <laughs> yep, it's part of it as we go forward. So excellent. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah, thanks for chatting with us today. And for our listeners, y'all be sure to check out the health and husbandry column in the upcoming Beef Bulletin to hear more from Dr. White. Listeners, check out the links in the show notes to subscribe to the Angus Beef Bulletin to read Dr. White's column yourself. And also to get curated information every two weeks straight to your inbox with the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. You can also catch Dr. White on BCI's Cattle Chat podcast, and we'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. We want to thank today's sponsor, Lollaband Animal Nutrition. And most importantly, we want to thank you for listening. This has been Angus at Work. <laughs>